You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. Today's chat is a long overdue one with one of my girlfriends, Ruthie. Ruthie and I met years ago on the internet, as so many relationships nowadays begin, and we've just kept in touch ever since. I asked her to join me on Thrive to share her best advice on pursuing entrepreneurship full-time, especially in transitioning from another career to that, and how or when to know it's time as well as to give her a platform to share her honest thoughts about being a black woman in America married to a white cop. Ruthie is so real and raw and a woman of so much grace and integrity, so I am honored and excited to share our conversation with you today. Stay tuned through this conversation, drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to, and welcome Ruthie. Hi, thank you so much for having me here on Thrive. This is incredible. I'm so glad we finally did this. I, we were literally just talking before we hit record. We met in person at New York Fashion Week, what feels like a lifetime ago at this oh point. Gosh. Like yes. what is what is Fashion Week now, right? Like, <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like it was two or three years ago, but we've been, I feel like we've been friends on the internet for a very long time. I very couldn't even tell time. you, couldn't even tell you when. No, I know. It's been so cool. I love that though because um, you can't always pinpoint when you meet someone, especially online, but it's like, okay, we've jived. We've been doing this together for the longest time and it's the best. Yeah, it truly, truly is. So, okay, you're a full-time blogger now, which is super exciting, Um, but you were a nurse for what, 17 years? Yeah, I was a nurse for 17 years. I had graduated high school actually a little bit early. I left high school when I was 16. And before that, though, I was taking college courses, kind of knew what I wanted to do. Um, Eric and I were talking briefly as well about the Enneagram. And I'm a three. I think I was a three since I was born and just kind of go getter. (laughs) And so I just knew what I wanted to do. I talked to a nurse and I said, do you think I should do this? It was a school nurse. She's like, absolutely. And I was done by the age of 19 and just went right into it. And it was, uh, it provided for us. Um, it, cause you know, Ben was in school, we had kids two months after getting married. And so it was like hit the ground running in every aspect of our lives. So very thankful for that career, but I was never super passionate about it. Which is interesting because how did you know if, since you said you knew what you wanted to do, what do you think was different between what you knew you wanted to do and what you were passionate about. Like, do you think you were passionate about it when you made that decision to do it? Or do you think your passion just changed when you got older and started doing more? Right. Well, it was more out of, I need to do something. I came from a Jamaican home and you need to know what you're going to do with your life by the time you're 13. And so I actually literally (laughs) uh, started just praying when I hit high school, asking the Lord to show me what I should do. And I feel like he just led me on a path that would be provision for my family. It wasn't something that I was like obsessed with ever, but it was provision. And I, there were so many aspects of it that I did love, um, but it, I couldn't see myself doing it for forever. Mm-hmm. 
Well, beyond that too, you mentioned you are you're married and you have four beautiful children. And I have fellow- three. Oh, we three. Wanted Why did four. I think four? I talk about four, but I have three. I wanted four. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like that was just, well, maybe that's a Freudian slip since maybe you that's wanted a, four. Maybe that's a sign. <laughs> Not trying to put that on you or anything, but <laughs> that's hilarious. But you also have our fellow, you're a fellow podcaster too. And then yep. did I, I feel like, I don't remember if this is you or someone else, but I feel like this is you. Don't you also lead worship? I do lead worship at Jesus Culture like once a month. And yeah, I've been singing since I was like eight years old with my mom. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. I just want to like jam out with you now. <laughs> I know, right? Let's go. Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So you, we both blog full-time now, obviously. Mm-hmm. I know we've had some conversations before about what that actually looks like because I think there are a thousand and one misconceptions living out there So from your perspective, what do you think it takes to truly thrive as a content creator online? And really like, what was your tipping point in being able to make your business your full-time job, especially where you're able to leave another career to pursue it? Yeah, I think with the influencer space personally, I, I think in order to be successful, you have to be okay with being you. There has to be an element of yourself that says, you know what, I am different and I'm okay with being that known because the space, as you know, has become so oversaturated. And so there has to be some type of root thing that um, says, okay, I'm different and I'm standing out and I'm really passionate about that. And um, I, I say, th- I would say thriving in this space would be having your why and your purpose, but also being able to connect with your community on a way that is genuine and says, okay, there's something about Erica that connects me to her in my life. There's something about Ruthie that I connect to for my life and something that people say, okay, every day I'm going to go see what Erica's doing. What is on her stories today? What is the family doing? Um, Just creating content that says you're welcome here and I want you to be a part of our life. Mm -hmm. So for anyone who's really pursuing entrepreneurship, what's your advice for taking that leap, especially when you're transitioning from what is like definitely a more stable career, (laughs) like quote, end quote, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like I had it a bit easier in that I made that decision before jumping into another career, basically in the hopes of like avoiding that eventual switch from stability to what is more you know, instability in income or what have you. So what was most helpful for you or maybe your mindset and also your marriage and making that decision with your husband to go from like your your 17 year in the making nursing career to blogging and being a content creator full time? Yeah, it was definitely a timing thing. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's a gift for anyone to be able to live this life and do what they love. Mm-hmm. They always say that if you're doing what, what, you know, what you love, you're not working a day in your life. It's literally what you love to do. And that was important for Ben and I, for him. And it took some years for him to say, this is what I'm passionate about. And I'll never forget when he said, okay, I want to be in law enforcement. Um, there was a huge thing in Connecticut where we lived with Sandy Hook and all those kids that died. And Ben just had this heart to protect and to serve. And um, once he got through the academy, we knew that um, 
things could shift for me. I no longer had to be the main source of income. He had benefits. That was a big thing. I was carrying benefits for the family for many years. So practically I couldn't just up and leave with my three kiddos um, and my husband and myself um, and the dogs, you know, with no, with no insurance that was, would not have been wise. So once Ben was out of probation, because believe it or not here in um, California, specifically the police department he works in, um, you need to be on probation for like 18 months. So it's a long time before, you know, okay, I'm sticking around. So we had to wait for that. And although my blogging, um, you know, career was flourishing and um, opportunities were coming up left and right, uh, we had to wait for the right time just to be wise, me to get on his benefits, him to be off probation. And then another key part practically was we spoke with some friends who took that leap of faith just in their own personal lives and different um, entrepreneurs. And they said, you know what, if you have a steady income, you know, from your blogging for the past year, it's like, you know, this money is going to come. You have a momentum going. That's number one. Number two, do you have at least three to six months in savings from what you would make at your nursing job? And so once we had that pretty much saved up, we had about, we, we waited till we just, I was so done with the job. So three months and then I gave my notice and I'll tell you, once I gave my notice, I'm not kidding you. Once I gave my notice was when I landed my first long-term partnership. I'm not kidding you. Oh, that's it's incredible. Almost as if God said, okay, you have to take the jump first. And once you take that jump, then I can show you I'm in this. And that's what happened. Oh, I just got goosebumps. I love stories like that. Cause it's like, like you said, you took the leap of faith and yep. sometimes you have to take the leap before God's able to catch you. Absolutely. hundred so. percent. That's awesome. I love that so yeah. much. Okay. Yeah. So totally not related to building a business or building a brand, but related to building a life in America, especially you mentioned your husband's in law enforcement. So mm -hmm. I really want to pass the mic and give the platform to you to just share your perspective and thoughts as a black woman in America married to a white cop because mm -hmm. I know I mean I have long been in awe of your style obviously like you are just like so styling your grace your faith but like man you really have I've said this to you before but you really have I think a god-given gift to just really talk about important things in a way that resonates with people and just like hits all the hits all the right chords to make people really mm -hmm. listen um, so I'd love to just hear your perspective and open up the floor for you to talk about that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Erica. You're so sweet. I have, before my husband was even in law enforcement, I have had such a heart for frontline workers. I think that being a frontline worker, I realized how hard the job is and how thankless it is. And the many patients that you see, and for my husband, the many individuals that he sees on calls that are broken and angry and homeless and all the different things on drugs, you have to make a lot of split minute decisions and it's, it requires a lot of grace. And I really feel as if Ben was called to this job, he carries a lot of peace. He carries a lot of, he's just kind of strong and steady. He walks into a situation and he could be one of those uh, negotiators where you kind of get someone who's about to kill themselves. He can talk them literally off of the cliff, but this year was hard for us. 
I'm going to try not to cry because of course it was very emotional. It was very hard and it was very discouraging. And I felt like I spent the past year defending law enforcement, defending frontline workers, um, because there was there has been a big cancel culture situation based on the events that took place. I will tell you out of the out of the gate here that I do think there needs to be reform in the police department. Mm -hmm. I think that these guys work very hard, very long days. And one thing that I think would be very beneficial if I could one thing out of the gate would be even every three months or six months where they literally stop work and they spend a week just taking care of their mental health where they have to almost not go to a camp but i'm serious like literally a really good check-in because these are men and women who just have to keep going and they have they see a lot they see more than you would ever imagine there's a lot Ben knows I can't even handle. They see a lot. They have to make a lot of hard decisions. Their lives are in danger every day. And so I do think there needs to be reform. But as far as cancel culture and saying that one man who probably should have never, back to George Floyd, who should have, who should have been done with the department uh, 17 incidences prior to say that the whole uh, police, you know, you know, people who are police should be defunded is uh is is silly it's immature it's wrong um you know to cancel the police and stuff like this um i i am a black woman i i was not born here so i came here and i feel that i'm responsible for what happens to my life not the government not you know my anyone around me i need to come here as an immigrant work hard and not blame anyone for what I don't have. You come here and you hustle. And so that's my attitude, you know, just in life is like we work hard and we just keep it going. Um, a lot of people did not agree with the way I handled things as far as um, just the police, uh, BLM. I was very, very, very vocal that this is kind of, and, and please, you know, hear me on this. Black lives do matter. Every life does matter. There was a lot of um, the, the black people in this country have been through hell and back. Okay. But I'll say, I think people like Dr. Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and all of those people would be a little bit heartbroken to see that we want to stay in that victim mentality. Like everyone wants to, you know, attack me and there is still racism guys you know please don't get me wrong but i think we've come a long way and i think that we need to celebrate that and focus more on the progress that has taken place instead of pointing the finger and you know focusing on all the negative things again a lot of bad things continue to happen but i do think we've come a very long way um i was very vocal with everything that happened at the capitol um, I just think there's a lot of hypocrisy and I'm just not okay with it, regardless of your color, you know, when they burn down, we are a small business, right? You and I have small businesses. And so I have a real heart for small businesses and my heart broke all last year for small businesses that were out of work because of COVID-19. Praise God, we were okay, but your heart breaks because you know how hard it is to hustle, to build something from the ground up and then have it stripped away from you. Um, so I was just vocal about you know, 
basically just hate crime, like people burning down businesses just out of anger. The anger is there and I get it, but I just think that there's another answer. So my view is not the same as, as I would say most women of color and I'm okay with that. You know, this is my truth and my um, thoughts. I think I'm all about forward progression, unity, building bridges, recognizing that there does need to be reform and there is racism in our country, but also saying, okay, let's focus on the progress we've made and build on that. Mm -hmm. How do you think, I mean, you said, okay, you've been met with disagreement from fellow women of color. What does that conversation kind of look like? And where do you think, how do you think we move forward basically arm in arm so that there is progress and unity and much more love and understanding without taking away from bad things that have happened and continue to happen. But, you know, where do, where do we, where do we move forward with that? Yeah, I think my biggest conversation with them was, you know, I love you guys and I see what's going on. I mean, I know all of the history, but I, I refuse to use my color as a reason to, uh, negate and, and say that bad behavior and violence is the answer for moving forward. It's just, it's not. And I say that from a place of being a woman of God and, and, and from a place of, like I said, I just don't have that victim mentality. Not that everyone does, but I just, I can't take that on and say, well, this happened to our culture. And so I'm just going to stay here and it's okay for us to do X, Y, and Z because, you know, it's a peaceful quote unquote protest. It's totally incorrect. So um, I, I just to coming from that place is, you know what, we're going to disagree. And I've had many people unfollow me. I've had many people block me and be very upset. I try to present the information in love, but at the same time, people won't always see eye to eye to, with you. And you just have to say, that's okay. You know, that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. And it, it makes me... I wish I could say I was surprised, but I'm not just also working online like you and just knowing how, how people can be on the internet. But it just makes me sad to hear that, you know, you were met with being blocked or receiving hatred because just knowing you and just your heart, you are just like such a light in this world where I feel like you are just such a genuine person and such a kind, loving, caring person. So for people to just go, oh, can't even talk to this woman anymore. I disagree with her, therefore block, hatred, whatever got sent your way, I can't even imagine. Um, that's just, it just makes me sad. It makes me sad. I know, I it is I sad. You. <laughs> You're so sweet. You know what helps is um, just kind of like rallying around. Uh, there's a lot of influencers in this space that are like-minded. And so you kind of bounce things off of them and say, what do you think about this? And uh, I mean, more times than not, Everyone just said, just keep going, Ruthie. Just be, keep doing you because you're reaching, you are reaching a part of the internet that really nobody else can in the way that you can. You know, not that, you know, basically there's no replication of Erica. There's no replication of Ruthie. You're doing you. You just need to keep doing that. And what it does when you are outspoken on an issue or you, you know, have your niche, it really builds your tribe. You get rid of those people that hate you they get out of there and then you strengthen the community that you've built because you say, these are my people. And I want the people that are my people to be in my space and to hang out with me, not people who want to come and fight with me every day when I do choose to speak up on a topic. Mm -hmm. No, it's so, it's, 
It's so true. I think you just, it just the entire, like what you said, the entirety of cancel culture, so to speak, that we live in today, it just, it makes me sad. And I always find myself second guessing my own emotions even towards it because I am a white woman, you know, so I don't ever want to project my feelings or anything like that in a way that would at all take away from the experience of someone like you, who's a black woman, who has totally different life, totally different history, culture, all of that. Like, so I find myself trying to be sensitive to all of that, but then also feeling really sad that we live in a world today where people are so quick to try to cancel people's careers or cancel people's friendships or livelihoods because they disagree with them. So what, I mean, from your perspective, what do you think it would look like in the future if cancel culture was not a thing? Like, how do you think people can actually start to have a productive, healthy, like safe conversation that would move everybody forward in a way? Like, do you think that's even something that is possible in our generation? I don't know. I don't know. I would love to hope so and believe so. Um, I think that many of us need to get to a place um, where we say, I love you no matter what, you know, as long as you're going to be nice to me, the reason we feel the way we do has to do with how we were raised, our upbringing. It has to do with our past. It has to do with experience. So I can't fault someone for not agreeing with me. They've had a different experience from me. And I feel that the more people can kind of try to come meet in the middle, the better off we would be, but you can't really expect that from everyone. Mm-hmm. It's true. I forget who I heard say this recently, but it was something along the lines of that you can't, like oftentimes conflict arises when our expectations are projected onto other people and then left unmet. So right. it's one of those things where that's constantly hard because we always have expectations of ourselves, of our spouses, of our friends, whatever, even if we're not even aware that the expectation is there. But if we're not intentional and not really conscious of it, I think that's where even more conflict arises because things are left unsaid or left up for, you know, interpretation. And it just ends up being expectations that are missed across the board of people and everyone falling short and then being upset with each other and just, you know, a lack of peace. And it's just, it's hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, last year was the epitome of just everything kind of like an upheaval. You know, you start with COVID-19 and people feeling differently about that. And then you have everything that happens with George Floyd and how they feel about that. And then we have a huge election and it just, I mean, it was one thing on top of the other. It was the perfect storm. And what happened was we ended up seeing everyone's true colors and our own true colors came out. Mm-hmm. I feel like it'll also continue to keep going, keep going that way because it's not like there's an end in sight for, for anything with the pandemic or just anything. So it's a constant test of constant test of character by fire, I guess. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, Ruthie, I am so glad and so honored that you came and finally joined me on Thrive. I want to close out by asking you a question that I ask all guests and that is what does Thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Oh my gosh. Thrive is uh, forward progression and fulfillment like all in one. And um, when you're thriving, you're, you're fulfilled. You are 
um, you're just kind of living in that abundance of joy, that abundance of peace and that abundance of provision, but also being able to pay it forward in some sense, whether that means in giving information or hosting, I, you know, do my weekly Bible studies on my other account. Just when you're thriving, it, it, you should be experiencing an, uh, an overflow where you can say, a God has been so good to me. I'm going to give it out. I'm going to give it away. It's mm -hmm. not just for me. I'm thriving, but I, I want you to thrive and I want you to win too. I love that. I'm thriving when I can thrive, but I want you to thrive too. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. So tell us all where we can find you online. Oh, yes. So you can find me at Ruthie Ridley, R-U-T-H-I-E-R-I-D-L-E-Y. That's my main account. And then I just started a new one that I absolutely love because it's it's just kind of the stripped down version. And it actually is my name. My name is Ruth Ann. Um, I, but when I met my husband and his family's English, they shortened it. So I've become Ruthie, which feels really great to me. But it's called Ruth Ann's journal and it's r-u-t-h-a-n-n-s underscore journal and that's where i share all my scriptures i go live every monday wednesday and friday and every single week we start a new bible study together in the YouVersion app and then i have my my girl podcast which is just a podcast for women we discuss all things women and living this life as a wife mama or single woman i love it Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.